Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from His letter that He wrote to us. All right, welcome in. We're going to do a special uh, topic today, a topical study, uh, over where are our loved ones? Where are those who have passed on before us? And uh, are they in the hole in the ground or, or are they with God? And this is one of those subjects that gets very confused. Um, there are a couple of places where if you don't follow the subject, if you don't pick your subject up, you may confuse this. And the answer, quite simply, is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. So then why does it get so confusing? Well, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, that is talking about the flesh, says that the dead know nothing. But what that's talking about is the bodies. And so to understand where the dead are, you, you, you also have to have a grasp around that we have two bodies. We have a flesh body that each of us can see, but then also inside our flesh bodies, we have our spirit, our spiritual bodies. And that is what we are naturally from. God created all souls in the beginning, uh, Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4, and He owns all souls. And those souls are in a spiritual body, but then they are placed at conception in the mother's womb. And so we're going to go over that today and uh, hopefully bring a little shed a little light on it, bring a little better understanding to this subject, and maybe even give some comfort uh, to those who might be wondering or uh, might have just never known or might be confused on this. So we're going to begin our study today in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to pick it up in verse 35. We ask for that guidance and that wisdom from our Father in the precious name of Jesus Christ. And verse 35 reads, But some men will say, How are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? Thou fool. That's fool means you you senseless one, or or you one that, you know, you just, you ain't got it wrapped up. It's not really as strong as what some folks think of fool, but uh, he ain't really talking bad down to them. He's just kind of saying, you know, wake up here. Let's talk about this. That which thou sowest is not quickened or made alive, except it die. And that that thou sowest, thou sowest not the body that shall be but bare grain, and it chance of wheat, or of some other grain. All right, so what he's talking about here is in horticulture, whenever you plant, just use a grain of corn, for example, you put that kernel in the ground, and that kernel withers away. That kernel dies, and it becomes food for that embryo that's within it. And whenever it germinates, and it sprouts forth, this new plant, this whole new being, basically, then that better plant that produces many more kernels uh, comes from that. But it can't come from that if that kernel is still encased and doesn't wither and die. It's got to, that kernel has got to die before that next plant comes out. Uh, So verse 38, But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, 
But there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There's all different kind of things, and, and even, even in those different animals, there's not one animal the same, just as there's not one of us that are the same. We're each individual, our DNA is different, uh, everything about us is unique in its own way. There's also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. This celestial in the Greek is 2032 in your Strong's Concordance, and it's Iporanios, and it means from heaven. And the body's terrestrial, this is 1919, and it's Epigeios, and it means from earth. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Even though these flesh bodies wither and get sick, and they, uh, they end up corrupting, they end up dying, they are still an awesome creation. Uh, they heal themselves. They, I mean, just think about the heart that pumps the blood to everything and it's just it's steady pumps and don't quit it just is running all the time and then the brain i mean the brain is is an amazing organ that that even modern science don't have figured out fully they you know they might claim to but i mean these bodies are remarkable creations uh, verse 41 there's one glory of the sun and one glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. We find out in the great book of Job, uh, verse 38, uh, chapter 38, uh, I believe it's around verse 6, where the, the sons of God and the were the, had the glory of the stars, and which kind of shows that it is, uh, or, or it gives you the, sim the symbolism that God, the souls that God creates are symbolically stars. Also in Revelation chapter 12, you see that whenever the dragon is cast down, his tail takes a third of the stars. So we are those stars that it's talking about. And just as it said, one star differs from another star in glory. We each, we each have our own uh, talents, our gifts. Uh, some people have a great smile. Some people are awesome at helping. Uh, some people are good at speaking, public speakers. And there, there's just so many different avenues. There's caregivers and all kinds of things that everybody's unique in. But it takes all of that uniqueness to make the body work. Verse 42, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. This corruption means in decay or ruin. And it is, and the incorruption means unending existence. It is, it is raised eternal. It is sown in dishonor and is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and is raised in power. It is sown a natural body and it is raised up a spiritual body. There's your two different bodies. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And this spiritual is 4152 in the Greek and it is pneumatikos and it means a supernatural body. Uh, verse 45, And so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, which was Christ, was made a quickening spirit. So he, Adam was in the flesh, but the last Adam, he was transfigured in that tomb. When he was in the tomb for three days, his body was transfigured into that spiritual body. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, and that which is natural, and afterwards that which is spiritual. 
the first man is of the earth. He's earthy. The second man is the, is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they that are heavenly. So if you are of the earth, just like these bodies, these flesh bodies, they're earthy. You've got to intake minerals. You've got to drink water. You've got to ingest things of the earth to keep these bodies alive and happy and healthy. But as a spiritual body, you have to ingest those things which are spiritual, that living water, that bread of life. And those are the things that keep your spirit driving. Um, 49. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Every one of us is going to be in that spiritual body. And some might say, well, now, uh, this is just believers. At some point, you've got to stand before God in the great white throne judgment. And you can't do that in the flesh because that is a different dimension. It's a different time. It's after the seventh trump. It's after the millennium. So every one of us has got to be in that spiritual body to stand before God and be judged, whether it's judged for good or judged for bad. Uh, verse 50, Now this I say, brethren, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit uh, incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. Now this is a sacred secret. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Not all of us are going to die. And we're in that generation of the fig tree right now that was set out in 1948 when Israel became a nation again, that the clock is ticking and the time is short when Christ will return. And those who are left around, those who are here when He returns, won't sleep. They won't die. They will just be transfigured immediately. As it says in Zechariah chapter 14, the flesh will just melt off and we will stand before God in our spiritual bodies. And... It kind of puts it a little uh, graphic, but hey, it's all right. We won't feel a thing. It'll happen so quick, it's just stepping right from one dimension to the next. Uh, Verse 52, in a moment in the, oh, yeah, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. Now in the Greek, this is 2078 in your Strong's Concordance, and this is eskatos, and it means the farthest out. Well, we know that there are seven trumps. The farthest trump out is the seventh trump. It's not the five and a half trump. It's not just before the sixth trump. It's not just before the seventh. It is the seventh trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So whenever that trumpet sounds, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, that means that those who have passed on before us, they are with God. And they will have an incorruptible body, as we all will at this point, meaning that spiritual body. And for this, let's go, let's see. So, and the, the mortal must put on immortality. So to, to go into the kingdom of heaven after the millennium, you must put on immortality. And that's a different thing. There's corruption, which is flesh, and there is mortal which is in the Greek means liable to die. So even though you have an incorruptible spiritual body, if you've not been judged and, and, if, and if you don't receive that first resurrection, if you don't partake in that, well then you've got to wait for the second resurrection. 
And at that point, you're still mortal. You're still liable to be cast into the pit of the, the lake of fire. And after that second resurrection, then you receive that immortality for those who don't receive the first resurrection. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality after that second resurrection, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? So let's go now over to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4 and we'll see exactly the resurrection and how that takes place. Now that we understand that there are two bodies, now let's see just how these bodies are resurrected. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to pick it up at verse 13. Now this is, this is a subject change here. A lot of people will jump down to verse 16, but you really need to come back to 13 to find your subject and to understand what is truly being said here. So verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. So Paul's saying, I, I don't want you confused on this. I, I don't want you worrying about those that, are, that have died. Don't be ignorant. You, know, you need to know this. Because whenever you walk around with your head hung and you're just miserable the rest of your life, well, then it's just like you don't believe Christ resurrected or that He has no power. Verse 14, For if we believe that, that Jesus died, and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. Even those that have died, they are not dead. The flesh is gone, but their spirit is not dead. Even And this, this runs some people hot, but you know, even Satan's not dead. If anybody was going to be killed uh, b before the great white throne judgment, I would imagine it would probably be that fellow right there. But even he's not dead. Matter of fact, He's in heaven right now. And I know that might just ruffle some feathers, but where is Michael holding him? In heaven. Where is he going to be cast out of? He's going to be cast out from heaven. Satan is in heaven right now. Verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep, now, this prevent in the, in the Greek, it means proceed or come before. Um, so let's read it that way. Uh, we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede them which are asleep. We can't get there before them. If they've passed away and they've returned to God, well, then obviously we're here. We can't get to them before they get there. That's just kind of good old common sense. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Now, we just went over this trump a little bit ago. Uh, it's that farthest trump out. It's that seventh trump. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Yes, they have risen. They are with God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we can't precede them. They are there. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall ever and so shall we ever be with the Lord. All right, we got to work on this verse a little bit. The translations and um, colloquialisms in this verse really throw people a lot because uh, they skip to this verse, they forget that we're talking about it, the seventh trump, and then they jump on this one and go, "Yep, 
there we go. We're fixing to just pull the rip cord and eject right out of here and uh, not have to go through any of the battle or anything like that. It's not at all what this just said. You got to keep in mind the chronology of this. At the seventh trump, them which are alive and remain, that's whenever Christ comes back, shall be caught up together. Now this caught up means it, in the Greek it is 726 in the Greek concordance, in the Strong's concordance, and it's harpazo, and it means raised. Now this is the same kind of raised as what we just discussed with the spiritual body coming out of this corruptible flesh, meaning that it is resurrected or it is transformed into the spiritual body. So we will be resurrected or raised together in the Spirit with them in the clouds. Now, this word clouds, most people will think that this means, yeah, we're going to be up there floating around, harping around, laying on pillars on cloud nine. This is 3507 in your Strong's Concordance, and it's nephile. And it does mean a cloud, but the way that uh, Paul is using this is just the exact same way he used it in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and it means a throng or a multitude, like a cloud of locusts. And then we, we'll finish this verse out, then we'll read it the way it should have been translated. To meet the Lord in the air. All right, now this word air is 109, and it's air, and it means breath. Well, what happens whenever one's born? They receive that breath of life. That spirit is given into them from God. So you be raised in that breath of life, in that spiritual body, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We're not going to be floating around in the clouds with Him forever. So let's read that the way to, to modernize it to our English language to understand this. You've got to remember, this was written in 1611. They talked a little different than we do nowadays. Then we which are alive and remain shall be raised up or resurrected in our spiritual body together with them in the multitudes. There's going to be billions. Every soul that has ever passed through the, the, the womb will be there to meet the Lord in the Spirit. When He returns, He's bringing an army with Him, and we're all going to be in the Spirit, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So that don't mean anything about ejecting out of here. It means we're fixing to just transform into these spiritual bodies, and we're going to be happy, and we're going to love it, and there's going to be a whole lot of us, and we're going to meet Christ in that Spirit. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. All right. So from here, let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We're going to pick it up at verse 1 back there. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. So what this is saying is whenever you're getting older, you, you, you're going to ache. You're, you're just not going to find as much joy as you had when you were younger. You know, you watch a, you watch a toddler run around or a, a, a five or six-year-old, their imagination's wide open, and, man, they're just getting it. They're having fun. They can have fun with anything. You can take a leaf and a stick, and they got a sailboat, and they're just having the best time in the world. And then you take someone who's... On up in years, well, you just, you're not running quite as much as you had. There just ain't as much joy found in the little things, uh, like a leaf and a stick, because then you look at it and go, golly, i got to go rake the yard. Uh, verse 2, 
while the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. That means when you can still see good. That everything's getting dark. If the clouds return after the rain, that means that even though the sun's out, it still looks a little dim to you. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble. Now this is your muscles. And you're getting a little weak. And the strong men shall bow themselves. And the grinders cease because they are few. Your teeth are or uh, falling out on you, or, or they're getting rotten, or they're just grinding down. And those that look out of the windows be darkened, meaning that your eyes, you just, you're losing your vision. And the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low. And he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. And he's not, he's not sleeping good at all. You're getting up... Uh, many times through the night, anything can wake you up. The daughter's music being brought low, and your hearing's leaving. Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is high. You just really don't want to get, you don't want to climb on no step stools. You want everything to be about no mu not, not much higher than shoulder level anymore because you really don't want to step up on nothing for fear of falling. And fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish. Now, an almond tree has uh, white buds on it. Uh, white um, flowers, and so that's talking about the almond tree flourishing is, is their hair is done turned white and grayed out on them, and the grasshopper shall be the burden. When the grasshopper eats those things, so this is talking about going bald. And desire shall fail because man goeth his, uh, to his long home and the mourners, mourners go about the streets. Uh, and what this is saying is that at this point, uh, this man has, or woman, has gotten old and they have passed away. Uh, verse 6, or ever the silver cord be loosed, this is your spinal cord, or the golden bowl be broken, now that can be your head, you fall down and bust your head open, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Now, both of those are types of pumps, so this would be heart failure. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. This old flesh body is fixing to go right back to the ground where it come from. We were made of dirt, we were returned to dirt. But, what does that next, the end of this say? And the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Immediately, whenever this body, this flesh body quits, we immediately return to God. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You're right there. Now, we'll flip over to Luke chapter 16. We'll close it out in Luke chapter 16. And this will give you an understanding of just exactly who all is there. You know, many will say, well, it's just well, those that return to God are those that have given their soul to Him. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4, God owns all souls. You can't give your soul to God and you can't sell your soul to the devil because God owns it. He created it and He owns it. You can't give or sell something that you don't own. So Luke chapter 16, we're going to go to verse 19. We're going to pick it up. This is Lazarus and the rich man. Uh, many of you probably know this. Uh, verse 19, There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. Oh man, he was, he was walking in high cotton. And there was a certain beggar, or poor man, his name was Lazarus, which was laid at, the, at his gates full of sores. And this means that he was cast down. He was, he was looked down on, and he, you know, nobody, nobody paid any attention to this man. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, 
Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. It was so bad, instead of, instead of looking for food, the dogs came over and tended to him. And, and people wouldn't even do this, but the animals came and took care of this man. They cleaned his sores for him whenever no, no person would do that. That shows kind of the, uh, the moral, the, the morale, or, you know, the morals of these people around there. It, it probably wasn't very high, it don't seem. And it came to pass that the beggar died, the poor man died, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. What this means is he, he carried, in, to be in Abraham's bosom, it means uh, kind of like you're, you're, you're on the same, basically he's on the same side as what Abraham is. Uh, the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, this is Hades, this is the grave, so this is where he was dead at, he lift up his eyes. This rich man was looking up and being in torments. Now, this word for torments is basanos, and it means a touchstone or, be, or, or it's a testing place. You might say, well, what's, what's a testing place doing where he's at? You know, that's, I was always taught that he's down there getting poked with a pitchfork, rolling around screaming and frying like a piece of bacon. Well, this is a testing ground because during the millennium, and we'll go there. We'll, we'll, in, in Ezekiel chapter 44, uh, verse 23 to 25, it talks about the Zadok. That's, that's the righteous. The priests are able to cross and teach those who did not receive Christ or did not know Christ in this flesh life to if, if they truly didn't have an opportunity to see Him or to understand, to accept Him, then at that point they would have that. And that's when Satan is released for a short, short time after that millennium is for this testing right here. And verse 23, halfway. So, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue or, or refresh my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. Now this word for torment is 3,600 in the uh, Strong's Concordance, and it is Odunneo, and it means to grieve. He is grieved in this, in this flame. This, uh, basically, you can say he showed up, and he's seeing Abraham, and he's seeing Christ, and he's seeing that he's not over there with them, and he is just grieved in himself, and he is on fire with shame. Uh, that's what this is meaning. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things or burdensome things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And besides all this, because or between us and you there is a great gulf affixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. So there's this gulf, there's this chasm that's dividing those who accepted Christ from those who did not. Uh, verse 27, Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they come also unto, into this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Verse 30, And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one would... But if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. 
And you can look around today, and there has been one risen from the dead. There has been one that stood on the face of death that, and is waiting, that took the keys to hell and has overcome, and there are many that do not believe. So what this just said right here is in this, in this parable of Lazarus and the rich man, it lays out paradise. You see, whenever Christ was on the cross, one of the malefactors looked at him and said, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he looked at him and said, This day, truly, you will be in paradise. And paradise just means, in the Greek, it just means a, a, a garden, like an Eden, just a, a beautiful place. And in this beautiful place, in this paradise, there's a gulf separating these two, uh, the good or those who accepted from those who didn't. Now, a question I like to pose to a lot of people. So Christ died, we'll just use round numbers for this, we'll just say 30 A.D. At that time, when he was in the tomb for three days, he went to all those all the way back to Noah, which is a uh, idiom, which means all the way back to the beginning. And you can find this in 1 Peter chapter 3. And he preached salvation, and many were saved. A multitude was saved. So that we'll just say 30 A.D. So in 70 A.D., all the way around the world, where there's no chance that the gospel was spread unto these people, if they pass away, and they were the, just great people, good hearts, and just, just the most loving people we ever met. But they passed away and never had the opportunity to know who Christ was. It, that would not be just for God to send them to hell. So there's this gulf. And then when Christ returns at the millennium, it is the Zadok's duty. It is those who have overcame the, uh, the priest of that day, the righteous ones. It is their duty to go over and teach. And you can read of this, as I said, in Ezekiel chapter 44. Uh, the 44 is in the millennium. From chapter 40 to 48 in Ezekiel is all talking about the millennium. There's more about the millennium in Ezekiel than there is in the rest of the Bible just about. And what they do is they teach these folks who did not have that opportunity, the discipline to stand and to accept Christ and to stand against Satan when he is released that short while. Our loved ones are not in the ground. They are not out here just wasting away, asleep, not knowing anybody, not knowing anything. They are with God. To be absent from the body is present with the Lord. And you can rest assured that they are really enjoying themselves. They are happy and that they are just awaiting that time when that gulf is removed and that eternity is set forth. I hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, I hope it shed some light and that, that maybe it cleared some things up, uh, maybe even comforted you a little bit. God bless you, and you'll have a great day. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, you can go to our website at www.humansundergrace.com and under the Contact Us page, submit your question. Also, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas, 75691. Thank you, and God bless you.